Hello and welcome to the 93 Talks, a podcast brought to you by the UK's largest network of state-educated university students, the 93% Club Foundation. Did you know that 93% of the UK's population is state-educated? This number is not representative of the university population and definitely not represented in the corporate world. It's our mission to rectify this and support those that make it to university. Here on the 93 Talks, we will bring you content with employers, successful professionals and community ambassadors. This is a podcast for students, by students. We are the 93% Club. Serious about social mobility. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of the 93 Talks. My name is Joshua Best, one of your co-hosts, and I'm joined by a very special guest today by the name of Finn Wright. And would you want to introduce yourself, Finn? Uh, hi everyone. Uh, yeah, I'm Finn. I am the Marketing and Communications Director at the 93% Foundation, and I also founded the UCL branch of the 93% Club amazing there's a lot more there's a lot more that he there's a lot more stuff that he does guys he's just being very humble at the moment um so yeah thank you for joining us finn um this is gonna be a lovely conversation just about talking about your university experience as well as like everything you've done during your undergraduate and your postgraduate um time within studies and just like any tips you can give for our members our listeners in terms of making the most of their university experience mm-hmm. so my first question um similar is just going to dive into the 93 percent club in in the in its entirety and like what made you want to join the 93 percent club initially you know with founded a ucl branch as well as also being the marketing and communications director at the actual national level um i guess so my initial motivations for kind of founding the society were i i did my undergraduate at, at queen mary in east london um and i kind of found there it was a very kind of uh, welcoming environment. It was a very mixed environment. So you had like a lot of kind of diversity in terms of like uh, socioeconomic class, kind of um, like ethnic diversity as well, which was like brilliant. And I loved that for my undergrad. Um, and I guess when I was going to UCL, so I kind of started planning founding the site at UCL um, in the summer. And I was kind of thinking like uh, I was a bit worried because it was so much bigger, um, very kind of different. Um, environment uh, Queen Mary um, in different places in London um, attracts kind of different types of people so I was like kind of wondering if I would if would fit in well um, added to that um, kind of the pandemic um, a way to kind of meet new people and meet similar people um, so that was kind of my motivations for starting there and then I got introduced to my wonderful co-president Tanya who's been kind of steering the ship while I've been doing a lot of kind of stuff at a national level um, and then kind of as the society's developed, as you'll know, Josh, kind of um, in 2020, we kind of just blew up like yeah. there were loads and loads and loads of other branches founded. Um, and Sophie Pender wanted to kind of get at least some degree of organisation at a national <laughs> level. Um, What's going on? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I would not be wanting to run it by myself. Um, so I came on board as the marketing director. Um, and from there on, I've been kind of managing um, our outreach online primarily, um, working with kind of key stakeholders, um, the rest of the national committee and like clubs to kind of find our voice, which we're still kind of carving out. But mm. um, it's been a, a wonderful experience and, and I've, I have I just love the community that's been created here. It's, it's just fantastic, really. Yeah, that's interesting to say. I think 2020 is when I founded the Manchester branch. And, you know, at that point, we were probably 30 clubs, but now we're like over 40 at this point. Yeah. Um, I think it's just interesting. And I think it's inspiring just to see how much you've contributed to, you know, to just the outreach online. You know, we've seen um, us being featured in The Guardian and The Telegraph. 
and I just wanted to know like how like how how do you feel knowing that you know the work that you're doing is making the national like impacts you know seeing us in the press or you know just seeing the work that the national community is doing to just make the society grow in regards to reaching out to stakeholders in the form of corporates or just politicians or even just like yeah how how does that make you feel in a sense you know it's your contributions at a national level I, I I feel really proud of of what I've done and um I feel like I've I've gained a lot of skills from doing it and I think yeah. it's just great to see us kind of pick up that momentum further and kind of run with it because I'm glad it didn't just kind of burn out with like just staying at a kind of student um kind of society level because I feel like actually collectively we have a lot more to give yeah. um, and I feel that kind of it's just been great to to see it expand but also get the recognition from kind of other parties who are more well established in this space so kind of working with the social mobility commission to kind yeah. of really enhance kind of our small kind of focus which i guess is very much state educated students becoming socially mobile and kind of carving out our space and becoming like a key actor um and and kind of making a difference um i mean both me and you have appeared at a ministerial roundtable which i would never have thought never would have thought um, yeah exactly at the beginning when we started i would never have thought we would have ended up there but you kind of realized that actually through kind of effective marketing strategies working yeah. together really well we kind of have carved out that space that means that people want to hear from us want to hear our perspectives even though we're just students yeah and i think what's been brilliant as well and and i think it make it kind of sets us apart from other organizations is the fact that we are student-led yeah definitely. So, my position when I'm not a student in the future will be passed on to someone else who wants to kind of develop their skills. And I think that's really valuable because actually to say you've got experience helping to run a charity and make decisions kind of says to employers, whatever industry you're going into, that you're kind of this well-rounded kind of holistic person. You're really developing those skills. Um, and I think that works with with any position within the foundation. Um, so mine, whether you're running the podcast, whether you're hosting the podcast, whether you're running research for us, it's, you kind of can come away and say, oh, I've developed these skills, which I can apply to any setting and proves that you can just pick up and run with something that you're a versatile yeah, individual. So I think it's, it's been great in that sense. And um, yeah, I hope that anyone who comes after me in the future has a similar kind of experience. Yeah, definitely. Same for me because I'm coming to the end of my tenure, you know, about to graduate. But, you know, you, as you said, you're a student-led organisation. So, you know, two, three years down the line, you will just see students running the UCL club or, you know, a student running the, what you've been doing as a marketing communications director. Um, so I think that's the most beautiful thing about it because, you know, everyone has opportunity to make their mark or to make their own imprint on the 93% fund, 93% club at a national and, you know, at a club level. Um, so I think my next question would be, like, have you how, how have you, like, overcome any challenges, you know, in regards to possibly any possible backlash or you know scrutiny from being from having like a you know a, a state educated state educated focus like club or organization at your university as well as also helping out the foundation nationally i think when you come up against backlash the best way to kind of encounter that is not with kind of too much emotion but quite like a lot of rationality in the sense yeah. of you've got to i feel that one thing that this has helped me develop this experience is this ability to articulate like the reason for our existence and explain to people no we're here because there is a gap and whether you agree if there's a gap or not 
are you state educated? Yes or no? Well, actually, if you're not state educated, you don't understand that there is a gap because you've never experienced that. Yeah. Kind of trying to articulate those ideas in a way that's both um, stakes your claim over the your reason for existence in that sense, but also <laughs> um, kind of really says to people that we're not exclusive and we're not trying to exclude. In fact, yeah. we're trying to work with all kinds of people. We don't think that state uh, that private schools shouldn't exist we're just saying that we think state educated students should have the same opportunities available to privately educated students um so i think it's making those kind of very rational arguments and it's learning to almost phrase things in a in a way that allows you to kind of push forward your agenda um and i think that's really important in fact yesterday we had kind of on twitter someone ask us oh if you care so much about social mobility like why are you exclusively uh, kind of aimed towards university students and people with degrees and obviously we recognize it's a privilege to have a degree yeah but at the same time we were founded and this is what you've got to explain to people that we were founded as a university society so mm. we operate within that space but equally we don't want to then tread on the toes of other organizations who are doing yeah. excellent work outside the space and that's where these cooperative kind of relationships can develop and actually that's how you drive forward social mobility you work together you articulate your vision and make a sensible argument for kind of greater equality essentially yeah i think that's i think that's i think the way you've outlined it makes perfect sense mm. you're not trying to exclude anybody you're not trying to like you know say we're more important but you know if you i think it's because i think there's a there's a quote like if you you wouldn't you you're not going to understand how privileged you are because you you're benefiting from it mm. so in a sense that the 93% club is trying to fill a space which previously might not have been um, filled before. And, you know, the fact that you work alongside other organisations, you know, the social mobility commissions or, you know, just going to talks or reaching out to other stakeholders, you're also making social mobility more prevalent. You're, you're, you're increasing, like, the voice for it, which then, you know, allows other people to jump in and also make positive change in whatever space it may be, whether it's, you know, for students in sixth form or, you know, um, people who are post-graduation or post-university so that they have more opportunities as well. And I think that's the most beautiful thing about working together with different organisations as well as being part of the 93% Club. Um, so thank you for that, Finn. So my next question slash theme goes into, you know, you being busy at university and like how you've managed your time. You know, you're at, you know, for example, you, you're part of the 93% Club. That's perfect. You also have a postgraduate you need to focus on because you have a dissertation during September. And then you also have a range of extracurricular activities that you do on the side as well. Yeah. So I just wanted to know in regards to time management how have you found like balancing all of these commitments because they are commitments because you're you know postgraduate it's a commitment 90 percent club both ucl and national national it's a commitment and also other educational activities that you're doing on the side how have you found balancing all of these three together i kind of i have to admit i think in some ways my i i i'm the fact that i'm in my fourth year of university has kind of helped in that sense because okay for my kind of first, for my undergraduate, I, I'm going to be quite honest. My first year, I didn't do much. I, I, I barely <laughs> did anything apart from go out clubbing, which I think you should do um, because I think that's where you can get it out of your system um, because the next few years are <laughs> much harder. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it, and, and I think that is a valuable thing to know when you're going in that you have to realise what each year means, really. Um, oh, and I guess in my second year, um, I joined the rowing team um, at Queen Mary, which was great. Um, a lot of imposter syndrome there. Um, rowing teams can be quite um, a certain, yeah, a 
a certain type of, of they're very expensive, a certain type of people. But at the same time, that taught me to um, understand the perspectives of different people, um, which was great. Um, and that was something I, I actually only realised when I started doing this, that actually it's really valuable to have those people in your life that you understand their position on something as well. Um, and then kind of got to my third year, um, joined the committee of the rowing team as a social secretary and kind of did that. And then kind of when I left, I, I didn't anticipate that I'd be doing so much as anything that I'm doing now, um, which has been quite um, interesting. I think it's those kind of three years of experience have, have taught me that there is there are enough hours in the day and that as long as you kind of carefully plan your time, um, and you can do that in a variety of ways. So, like, obviously, some people love using diaries and calendars and, like, loads of fancy stationery, which I also love. I'm a stationery freak. But at the same time, I'm also one of these people, I keep it all in my head because I just have to, if it's in my head, I rely on my memory to get it, like, done. So I have to, like, do it quite quickly. Um, so, obviously, in addition to my postgrad, um, I do 93% Club. I... I have two jobs, so I'm a researcher at Spectator, yeah. and I am uh, currently doing some work for Penal Reform International, um, and then I also work um, for another kind of organisation. Um, they're like an online publication called Human Rights Pulse, um, and kind of what I found is actually across a lot of those organisations, the skills are the same. So if you can narrow down the skill set that you're using, you can work across multiple things at the same time. So for example, here I do marketing. That's what I do at Human Rights Pulse. That's what I've done at Penal Reform International. And then at the Spectator, I do research, which actually you just do as part of your degree anyway. Um, yeah, so um, I think it's kind of identifying your skills and trying to carve out a way to kind of use them in a way that actually it doesn't take up too much more of your time. You just have to use them in slightly different contexts, perhaps. Um, so I think that's definitely kind of the way I consider it is like, if you're going to take on multiple things, make sure those multiple things aren't dramatically different from one another, because then you're having to think about doing different, complete different tasks that take up your time. But I do just think my motto is there's enough hours in the day. Please don't suffer from burnout. Yeah, burnout is a thing, guys. It's a real thing, trust me. You don't want to be... I think I, I, I think that's the balance that needs to be met. You know, you might want to do everything, because you know you, you, might, you, might, have, you might think there's enough hours in the day, but... Is also there's also need for rest because you can't balance yeah. multiple things at the same time, especially if you're undergraduate, especially if you're like going through like second year or third year yeah. dissertation. You don't want to be feeling like I have so much on my plate, I can't rest. Um, so managing burnout is also important. We don't want you guys to be like, oh, let's go change the world by doing ten things in a day, and then you know you come back and you're slumped on your bed. But you know it's about everything in moderation, balance. You know, as things should be. Yeah. Definitely one thing I always, um, one thing my flatmates at university would always take the mic out of me for is I was in bed between 10 and Ooh. 11 at night, which, because I was just, I, I just, I like my sleep. So like any that's, person that's should. what you've got to like. <laughs> so literally, that's all you got to do is make sure you've got enough time for your sleep and your like beauty, like, you know, you, you rejuvenate in that time. So that's what you got to do. Yeah, you've definitely got to mitigate against burnout. So don't take everything I say as gospel. <laughs> yeah, guys, we're not advocating for you lot to, just, you know, do the most at university and then forget to sleep. And then, you know, by the time you get to a graduation ceremony, you just look, you know, finished because I've just lost all my sleep. But I think I, I think the benefit of what you just said is that, you know, there's enough, that you have enough time to do what you want. 
it's just about you being proactive. A, that's, I think that's the most important thing, being proactive, having the drive and the, the drive to actually want to do more at university, as well as also, you know, using the skills to, you know, to, to the same skills like Finn said, like what he does at the 90% club, he transfers it into being a contributor or being a researcher at the different organisations. In, in the same way, you can do that as well. Like if you know your public speaker for, you know, your committee, you can then transfer that, you know, into making your own podcast, for example, or you, if you're good at social media because you have a startup or you have your own business at home, you can also be a social, you could be a social media manager at a different organisation or society or even in a full-time job. And I think that's the beauty of university because you can just develop so much skills in such a short amount of time that you don't know that it could benefit you in the next four, five, ten years. Um, and I think that goes into my next question. Like, how have you found that these opportunities, I would say, have prepared you for your future endeavors? Like, for example, if you want to go into career, I don't know, law or banking, how would you how do you feel like these opportunities have prepared you for, you know, the real world, the real working world, I would say? I, I think they've kind of prepared me very well because one thing so I, I would like to be a solicitor, um, as I, yeah, a lot of people appear to want to be at the 93% Club. So that's quite uh, interesting, taken after Sophie Pender. Um, but um, <laughs> um, I think the great thing is what a lot of these companies lack sometimes is um, mm. a, an adaptable individual. So what you kind of develop by doing these things is you develop certain skills so yeah. researching is valuable in any job you could do if you can turn up and say to them i have experience as a researcher that's really good for them because they can rely on you to do that job and then if you come along and say oh so some of the stuff i do at the 93 percent foundation is communications related so like i know how to field some press requests write a press release for example you might be working in an organization that doesn't necessarily need that but those skills are applicable elsewhere um, and I think that that's something that you can kind of add and that gives you an extra dimension in the sense of like seek out those kind of opportunities that are kind of um, you might not necessarily think directly apply to the job you want to do, but actually could be invaluable because it will set you yeah. apart from the next individual. Because fair enough, lawyers, if you do 50 VAC schemes, that's great because they know you can be a lawyer. Um, but like you can kind of turn up and say, I've actually done a VAC scheme, for example. Yeah. But I've also done these other things which provide that kind of more rounded thing they're looking for. At the same time, I don't think I think I'm I'm also a bit of a yes man. So I do say yes to pretty much every opportunity that comes my way, um, which is problematic in some ways. But also, I think when you're not not necessarily when you're starting out it's good to say yes to a lot of things because that opens doors um for example i got one of my jobs through human rights pulse because it has practitioner human rights practitioners involved in it so that's a way to see there's like boards within it where you can go oh there's these internships available oh i'm gonna go and apply for that and because you kind of have built your network that network can help propel you into the next thing you want to do so it's kind of valuable to build those skills where you can um and i think it's just kind of also trying to avoid I, I feel like if you can try and get on board with a lot of opportunities you can kind of sometimes yeah. mitigate against the imposter syndrome because your skills kind of can act as a bit of like a safety barrier around you where you can go actually I deserve to be here because I've done x y and mm-hmm. z thing that means I have the skills to do this so you it's kind of like you can say to yourself actually you can reinforce to yourself that you deserve to be there and I think that's that's one of the most valuable things I think has arisen from extracurricular activity of like, you can kind of go, Oh, you know what? I've done X, Y, and Z. I can do this. Like 
it doesn't matter what anyone else says to me. I know I can do this, and that's that's what's important. And I think, and that that applies to everything, whether it's being a social secretary at a sports club. Um, if you can shout at a bunch of people and get them in order, you you can definitely work at a law firm. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh, I can't <laughs> imagine. That's it. I'm doing rugby. I'm just shouting, guys, come on, let's get it cracking. You know, but I think what you said makes sense because. I agree in the sense that from doing all these other extracurricular activities, you know, whether it's committee or, you know, external internships, wh- what it may be, you know, because of all the skills you develop from the time you've invested into those things, you, I think you deserve to be at whatever you need. You deserve to be wherever you get because you've put the investment in, in terms of developing your skills, developing your personal. Because I think from doing all of these things, Finn, I think you've developed, you, your personality must have changed. You know, you've developed more maturely. You know, you see the world differently. And I think that's the most beautiful thing because it then shows to employers that this person's actually mature. He knows he wants to do or what she wants to do because mm-hmm. they've taken the time out, they've taken the time, the time out just to explore these different options. And then, as you said, it makes you a more well-rounded person. Employers don't want to have mm-hmm. one-dimensional people because... If they did, they'll just employ the same types of people, but times are changing. So I think, you know, being well-versed in different activities, you know, being a yes man, as Finn said, you know, has its problems, but it has its benefits because your network begins to grow. You meet different people from different sectors that you might not have ever met if you were just being, you know, you had tunnel vision, but it just benefits you in a whole amount of ways, not just with your skills, but just as a person, because you just learn, diff- you, just know- you just learn how to operate in a very different way from time management to be more professional, you know, to s- just to take on more leadership and be more, taking ownership of what you need to do. Yeah. And I think that's the most, that's what I would say I've taken away from do- doing everything during my undergraduate. Um, so I wanted to ask a follow-up question. Um, in terms of tips for students, how would you advise them, Make how would you advise undergrads who possibly are going into their first year or first is going into their second year or second is going into their final year and so forth and so on so forth and so on how would you advise them make the most of their university experience at the stage that they are i think so one thing i'd definitely say for first years is i truly believe i did my first year well and i and it kind of goes back to what we said earlier of like it's not a throwaway year it never is it it is there to form the foundations of your degree. So definitely pile in the time where you can because it will benefit you so much later on in your second and third years, just having that kind of routine and mentality towards studying. But I think first year is where you're kind of finding yourself and exploring what it is to be independent, um, finding different people and new friends um, and kind of just kind of making getting used to life in a new city living on your own I think that's so important to focus on that because they're also very personal skills the ability to look after yourself is it's important yeah that is let's 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 not be let's not be deceived let's if you go to university you're going to learn especially if you go to a different city you're going to learn what it means to take care of yourself like cooking is an essential skill no one could tell me otherwise cleaning hygiene is all important but you know you find yourself as Finn said but I think you're going to say something else as well. I know. I, I, I just bouncing off that. Literally, the ability to cook. If you can <laughs> learn to cook in your first year, it means you're not going to become like malnourished in your second and third years when you don't want to be malnourished. Yeah, like, that is literally. And so those skills are really important. And one thing that I maybe regret not doing in first year is joining a sports team. Um, I loved doing sports. Actually, I hated doing sports before I went to university. Hated, like it was terrible at football, terrible at rugby, terrible at everything I did. Um, yeah, I was 
I was even terrible at rowing, to be quite honest, when I was at university doing it. But it was a really good community to get involved in because um, you meet different people who aren't necessarily on your course, who are living in different places, who are from different places, who have different skills. Um, that you can just make, you make lifelong friendships with them. Um, mm. A lot of my best friends are from doing a sport. When I say do a sport, I don't necessarily mean go and do a sport, join a society at uni. If, it, yeah. if you're not a sporty person, that's not a problem. Um, often sports communities can be a bit toxic as well. So if that's not really what you're wanting to join, that's fine. Um, but I know at different universities at Bristol, there's stuff like the Hummus Society or like um, if you like reading or like there's book clubs and there's kind of all different kinds of, of organisations. There's a 93% club yeah. to go and join. And that's a way of finding a community, you know? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think, I think that's the point. I think in first, I think I just have to agree with what Finn said. It's about finding yourself. Mm. If I was to go back to my first, I feel like an old man now. <laughs> I'm just... It's not been that long ago. I don't know why I feel so old. Um, if I go back to my first at university, it was finding myself, you know, mm. because you're because coming from London to Manchester, five hours by um, by by car, two hours by train. It's a long. It's all the way up the north. Mm. You know, you're in a different city, you're in a different environment, in a different culture. You know, London and Manchester are different in terms of like their diversity settings. Um, you know, you just find yourself having to like. Um, you're like a baby again. You need to be able to, you need to learn how to walk, how to do X, Y, and Z. And I think you just meet so many opportunities along the way that it just allows you to grow a bit. Like I would, I think when I came to university, I was a very shy person. Mm. If you talk to anyone who knows me now, Josh was loud, Josh was this, Josh was, you know, annoying, whatever. But I think when you go to university in your first year, it's the best opportunity for a fresh start, A, and B, it's like you have so much time to just try different things out. As Finn said, join a sporting society, join a hummus society, join a reading society, join a 93% club. Shameless plug there. It's our <laughs> podcast, right? Um, you know, but there's so much opportunity for you to do new things. And then obviously, as Finn said, you're building the foundations for your degree, how you're going to study, what works for you, what doesn't work for you. Because I find that people develop different learning um, techniques because of what they did in their first year, because it works for them. Mm-hmm. And it then be- it, they, that then becomes the bedrock of what they do in their second and third year. I'll also just add, in terms of your first year, make the most of any opportunities that employers are giving to you. So, for example, UCR, I imagine that firms will come to the Freshers' Fair or, you know, Careers' Fair just to just to give you free merchandise, but also to find their next partners, their next managing directors, etc. So, you know, make the most of that first year because yeah. if I was to go back in time, I wish I could, I would do it completely differently. I will join the basketball society. I will go X amount of insight days, meet so many friends from different cultures or different, you know, backgrounds, just so that I can find that I've made the most of the resource available to me, which is university, because we're paying to go there. So we should make the most of it, guys. You're paying 9.25K. And international students, you're paying a lot more than that. So, you know, you better get the most for your buck. Um, but yeah, in terms of... So this is another question for you, Phil. So in terms of those in second and third year, mm-hmm. you know, the first year's gone. How do they then make the most of that period of time because you know first is different to second year in terms of like academics but then you know there's the um there's the worry of you know i want to get internship i want to get grad scheme because i don't want to be you know in the position of limbo after i graduate so what would you advise them to do at that point in time i think at that point so one thing i i don't know if you'd agree with me on this but the step up from first to second year i found harder from than from like a level to your first year of degree 100%. 100%. <laughs> the second year was just like traumatizing, to be quite honest. Um, but 
one thing I think is the value in second year is you know your lecturers by that point. Um, they mm-hmm. know you. Um, so make the most of their office hours uh, or seminars because actually, say they've kind of, a lot of professors um, have come out of industry, depending on what degree you're in. Uh, yeah. Like at the moment I do planning, a lot of them are professional planners and some of the best professional planners around. Um, so go to them and be like, I want to like, I want to work in this industry. Can you help me? Because they'll have networks. They might even be looking for research assistants that you could do a little bit of work on the side. Um, mm-hmm. When I was in my second year at um, QM, I joined um, as an ambassador, which was a paid role, which was great, supplemented my income when I was at uni, um, at Myland Institute, which is the political institution of Queen Mary. Um, mm-hmm. There I got to meet all sorts of people because they were doing talks. I was just kind of uh, a valet or like a host. Um, I wasn't really um, anything particularly special, but you got to engage with these conversations and listen to kind of emerging conversations about it, which are really valuable to put on these kind of applications for um, internships, maybe um, in the summer between second and third year, or even kind of grad schemes at the end of your third year. And I think also just like um, one thing, one term I discovered, which I'm ashamed to admit when I first got to the 93% club was milk round. And obviously it's the milk round season from September to December, which is where a lot of, more corporate jobs um predominantly hire their graduate their like kind of graduates so that's where yeah. you've got to be thinking in your summer going from second to third year oh these are kind of the jobs i'm thinking of doing yeah. this is even if you're just applying just to test like what it's yeah. like to make an application that that's great that's a great idea um and i was really lucky that i did a postgrad because i only found out all of this information after i left <laughs> my undergraduate um but i think it's just learning from other people and kind of where you may have joined in in your first year sports teams or different societies you meet people spread across different years so yeah you're meeting people who have gone into that industry who can go oh yeah don't do this on your application that was a terrible idea or yes do that on my application that's a great idea um also make the most if you're a 93% club member of us. Like we have the ability to look over stuff for you. Um, 100%. Yeah, to have a conversation with you about it. Um, and quite honestly, we're, we're savages. So we could just um, rip it to shreds for you if you if that's really what you wanted. <laughs> Guys, uh, we're not trying to scare you. You know, but <laughs> good means are savages that we know what we do when it comes to, you know, um, reading applications. Because I think... Most of most of the most of this year's and um, committee members, so you like you know club presidents, VPs, whatever, have internships or grad schemes lined up um for the yeah. future. So they're the people you can ask for advice in regards to I don't know application to a consultancy firm or you know a civil service fast stream program. And I think as Finn says, you meet a lot of people who help you down the long run from different years. And as you said the best um, people to learn from are people who have done it before because, you know, I don't want to make a mistake which may set me back a couple of months of potential progress. If I can ask someone like Finn or myself, oh, what do you do in a situation for application? Or, you know, how do you make the most of your university experience? They'll just tell you it because they've experienced it. And I think that's the beautiful thing at university as well as, you know, just being part of the life of the same club is that you're, you're, you're immersed in a network or like an environment of people with different minds, different experiences that can just help you grow. Because at the end of the day, we don't do it because we get paid. We don't do it because there's anything out for us. We do it because we actually want to at the end of the day. Because let's be honest, I could sleep 24 hours if I could, but I can't. 
because <laughs> there's stuff new. But if someone asks me, Joshua, what would you advise me to do for this? I would just tell them because I know what I've been through to get to this position that I'm now. Mm-hmm. That I would just literally give you the information for free. I'm not going to make you pay for a resource or anything because information's free. If you need it, you can get it. Um, but I think my final question for you, Finn, is as we wrap up this podcast, um, unfortunately, um, what what does the future hold for you in terms of you know your future endeavors, and what do you see the ninety percent club slash foundation being in the next two to three years? Oh God, that's a that's a fun question. Um, <laughs> um, so I guess my professional ambition is to become um, a solicitor, a trainee solicitor. Um, I've got kind of a lot of uh, one thing that's kind of crystallized to me is that um i have these big kind of corporate places that you can work you can actually make a real difference at um whether that be like corporate social responsibility and getting involved in yeah. kind of um diversity strategies and like uh, carving out a space for yourself in these companies so that's very much what i'm looking forward to doing uh, mm. hopefully at a law firm um i also love a side hustle so i'd love to like do a bit of journalism just do a bit of research um have a have some like cool little um jobs to do um i guess though kind of the the foundation i i would like to see us kind of grow even further and become we've been kind of growing organically which i think is the beauty of of the club um yeah and kind of seeing a new generation come up behind um the rest of us taking over what we're doing learning skills i would still love to be involved um and i would love to kind of move into more of a growth role so kind of helping find some kind of cool opportunities for us to get involved yeah. with um because i think actually there's so many sectors that are quite hidden away and are still quite hard to access um yeah. they're often the ones that don't shout about it because they they don't want that to be known that they're not very good <laughs> they hide it. yeah <laughs> um, so i'd love to dig out some of those and find um some opportunities for other people but i think one thing that this whole experience has taught me, and I'm sure you'll agree with this, is that the value of like, part, like helping others and leaving the ladder there behind you for other people to climb up. Because mm. I don't like it when people pull up the ladder and they're like, oh, I'm done now. No one else can follow me. I want to be a person that people can come to um, within the organisation and go, oh, I really want to do this. Like, how, how would you go about doing this? Or how did you do this? Mm. And pass on that advice, because that is how you get more voices of state educated students of students from lower socioeconomic backgrounds in these big organizations in positions of power to make decisions to help other people you need to be having these conversations quite candidly and that's why i hope to be doing long into the future essentially damn me and things sound alike (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think that's amazing um you know helping people up the ladder i think is the most important thing because you know, it then means that the working environment, you know, is more representative of people from our backgrounds, yeah. you know, whether it's, you know, race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, you know, yeah. more people like us are in these spaces to make decisions, which then will affect how societies run. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, I just agree with everything you said, Finn. Um, but yeah, we've come to the end of our podcast. Thank you, Finn, for being an amazing guest. Yeah. I had a good laugh today <laughs> in regards to us being savages. There's enough hours in the day. I love my sleep. Um. <laughs> Just thank you for all, all the effort you've put in with the 90% Club, mm. both nationally and, you know, at UCL. I really do appreciate it for the help you've given me as well in regards to social media posting because I was <laughs> at, at the beginning of my journey. Um, the, the, I was shamefully admit. Um, but, yeah, thank you for everything you've done and thank you for being a wonderful guest on the podcast. And thank you to the listeners for listening and we'll catch you on another episode. Yeah. See you later.
See you later.